0: good morning strong start Uh, so as Alan said uh, this morning our passage ties into uh, the Lent series that we're doing walking through the Old Testament you might be following that if you're not um, books look a bit like that there's probably a few more at the back Uh, it's never too late to get stuck in Uh, If you've got a Bible on your phone or a Bible at hand, it is good to kind of follow on. We are in this passage, but we'll be grabbing a few other bits from within Genesis. So if you've got a Bible at hand, uh, do have it in front of you. Um, If you're going to do an overview of the Bible, you pick the obvious stuff, right? Creation, Noah's Ark, maybe a bit of Moses. Then you probably skip to the New Testament, do the water into wine thing, that bloke who gets lowered through the roof, crucifixion, resurrection... Probably call it a day there. Um, Why you would single out this passage, I'll be honest, when I first read it, uh, is less clear. Um, I wasn't necessarily delighted when (laughs) Ellen asked me (laughs) to speak on it. Uh, I read the the passage that we've just been through and I thought, this seems like classic Bible crazy. Um, Jacob is wrestling with someone in the night The person turns out to be God. Jacob seems to win the fight, but walks away with a dislocated hip. God blesses him and changes his name. Like I say, it's kind of classic Bible crazy. Um, So many questions. Where did this man appear from? Why is he fighting Jacob? Why does Jacob think it's God? If it is God, why does he not overcome Jacob? If it is God, why does he dislocate Jacob's hip? Why does Jacob demand and receive God's blessing off the back of this? Oh, and Jacob gets a new name as well. So to understand the passage and to have any hope really, I guess, of applying it to ourselves today, we really do need to understand the headlines of Jacob's story Um, and look at the context that leads him up to this moment. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to um, recap who Jacob was and the kind of key highlights of his life. Um, That will enable us to kind of step through this specific passage, using that context to help us a little bit, and hopefully in doing so, that will reveal a little bit about how it might apply to us today. So who was Jacob and what leads him up to this moment? Um, Well, so his dad is Isaac. Granddad was Abraham. He comes from kind of good biblical stock. Um, And before he's even born, we're told that he's kind of got his elbows out and he is scrambling for space. Before he's even born, his mum, Rebecca, uh, talks about she can feel the twins kind of kicking off inside her to the extent that she reaches out in prayer to God to ask what's going on. Um, and God tells her in Genesis 25:23, it uh, says that she has two nations inside her, two people from within you will be separated. One will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. Uh, so, before he is even born, God promises, through Jacob's mum, through Rebecca, a blessing on him. With these words, the older will serve the younger. Uh, a promise that the natural order of things, older ruling younger, will be reversed. Not an uncommon theme in the Bible. We hear this kind of first, last, and last, first kind of narrative come through a few times. And so these two boys are born. Esau is the older one. He comes out looking like a gorilla. His name literally means hairy. uh, And Jacob comes out clinging onto his brother's foot. Uh, And his name, Jacob, means heel grabber. It was a kind of idiom for the word trickster. Um, I don't actually have any baby pics, but uh, I did manage to find some images that maybe might just help us imagine what these two boys looked like as they grew up. Um, (laughs) So, it's one thing to be a younger sibling and not be first in line, um, but I guess if you were a twin and you literally missed out uh, by a matter of minutes on being the eldest, uh, then I can have some sympathy with you having a bit of your chip on on your shoulder about it. Um, And it's perhaps not such a big thing in our culture, but the older sibling birthright was a really big deal back then. It was given to the eldest son. It gave you double inheritance. It made you the next family leader. So it gave you kind of significant resource and authority. And we shouldn't underestimate how much this shapes Jacob's identity. Uh, And he grew up in a family of favorites. Um, The parents had blatant favorites. I've got three daughters, I can relate to that. Um, Isaac likes hairy little Esau. Uh, he's a man's man, good at hunting and grunting. Um, Rebecca favours Jacob. He's more of a homebird, bird, uh, cooks a mean stew. Um, on the subject of stew, uh, the next major kind of story uh, that we hear about these two brothers is Harry Esau comes home from a hunting trip, starving. Makes you wonder how successful at hunting he was. but. Um, And and you have this strange dialogue. So this is now we're in Genesis 25, verses 30 to 34. Esau comes home and he says, quick, let me have some of that red stew, I'm famished. Jacob says, firstly, sell me your birthright, which is the obvious response to the question. He's clearly constantly obsessing over this thing. Esau says, look, I'm about to die. What good is a birthright to me? Jacob says, swear it. So he, Esau swears an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau some lentil stew. Don't miss the tiny detail here. He didn't swap his birthright for stew. He swapped his birthright for lentil stew. <laughs> Serious lack of judgment. So a few chapters later, Jacob is at it again, this time with some help from his mum, he tricks his now blind dad into giving him his blessing uh, and instead of it, uh, giving it to his brother Esau, which is what he was trying to do. So this is like, in addition to this birthright thing, there is some blessing which Isaac can bestow on one of his sons and Jacob managed to trick his way into getting this as well. And that's a whole nother story. Fairly unsurprisingly, the trick rather riles up his brother into quite the frenzy, so Jacob decides uh, the wise thing is to create some space between them. He heads off, ends up working for his uncle, finds himself falling for his cousin. Let's not go there. Um, And in in this kind of ironic kind of twist, Jacob, the trickster, gets tricked himself. His uncle gets him to work. Uh, for seven years so he can marry, marry his daughter. But at the last minute, he switches her out, kind of claiming a technicality for his eldest daughter, uh, who Jacob seems to think is not half as attractive. Fair play to Jacob, he signs up for a, another seven years of free labor in return for getting to marry Rachel, the pretty one as well. Two wives, let's not go there either. But so 14 years passes, um, and uh, Jacob is uh, living with his uncle, working. And it's at this point that uh, God tells Jacob to go back home. He says, go back to the land of your fathers and your relatives. And it is with all of this backdrop where our passage today intercepts Jacob's life story. Up until now, his identity has been defined by fighting for birthrights and blessings and brides. Uh, And now, he's on his way home. He's got to a river crossing. He's traveling at night, presumably because it's less conspicuous. He's worrying about what his brother's gonna do when he turns up 14 years later. And we get told about this crazy night brawl with a stranger who turns out to be God uh, and verse 22, 23, he's crossing over a ford, he's sent his wives and servants and sons and animals off ahead he's left alone um, and then we get into this bit, verse 24 and it just says, a man wrestled with him until break, uh, until daybreak no kind of Big contextual introduction, no build-up, just the second half of a sentence, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. And when the, the man saw that he could not overcome him, he touched the socket of his hip, so his hip was wrenched as he wrestled the man, and it's unclear whether he touched him and some divine power dislocates Jacob's hip, or whether he hit him so hard that his hip is wrenched out, And if you consider the kind of injury you need for that to happen, it's a massive kick in the crotch. Interpret that how you will. And the man says, let me go, for it is daybreak. Why would he be worried about daybreak, is anyone's guess? And Jacob responds, I won't let you go unless you bless me. And I think it's here, in this moment, with all of that backstory, that we suddenly get a glimpse of the biblical truth that is being revealed. Jacob has fought his whole life for blessing, for this birthright, for significance. And even now in this encounter, it's like he knew from the start who he was wrestling with because he's not trying to run away, despite the kick in the crotch, Instead, he is clinging on, demanding this blessing. But here's the thing. Jacob is fighting, again, for a gift that he was promised right from before he was even born. I mean, talk about insecure. Does it suddenly feel more relatable? Jacob is wrestling for a blessing that God had promised him right from the start. He was closest to his mum, so I think it is far more likely that she would have shared that word from God with him about ruling over his older brother. It feels like we're unearthing a deep spiritual truth about the human condition of dissatisfaction and the gift of grace and the tension between the two. Do you ever find yourself fighting with God for the grace he has already promised you? And a man looks at him in verse 27 and he says... Who are you? And he says, Jacob. And the man says, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and humans and overcome. So Israel, Yisra's Hebrew for to struggle, and El, Hebrew for God, Israel, struggle with God. God sets the identity not just of Jacob, but of his chosen people, Israel, as those who struggle with him. Not just those who struggle but actually those who wrestle with God himself. But it's not just about Jacob's identity. And finally, Jacob says uh, in verse 29, please tell me your name. And the man replied, but he replied, why do you ask my name? And he blessed them there. Again, there's some kind of little echoes in these words that might sound familiar to a story we read much later in the Bible. In the New Testament in Matthew 16 where Jesus says to Simon Peter who do you say I am and Simon Peter says Jesus the son of the living God and Jesus blesses him so they're blessing in acknowledging the identity of God Jacob knows this man is God and in this strange admission of faith God blesses him Jacob has spent his whole life tricking and hustling to get the blessing of a firstborn. (laughs) And I think this is where some of the beauty is hiding because God doesn't say, you fool, stop fighting, be at peace, receive my blessing. God says, I see you, I see your wrestling and I will transform your wrestling into blessing. If you're in church today feeling like you are wrestling, then you are in good company. If you are just clinging on by your fingertips, you are in good company. If you feel like you've sat through too many worship songs and thought, I don't get this strange communal karaoke thing that we do, or found yourself distracted um, by that kind of inner monologue of frustration when you're supposed to be praying, If you have felt like you are wrestling with God and faith and life and church, then I assure you this passage is for you. And this passage is certainly for me. We often hear how God saves us, takes away our sin, gives us a clean start. And this is all true. But we also live in this weird tension of the now and the not yet, where we experience a foretaste of God's promises, whilst we live wrestling with the world that remains so broken by sin. But like Jacob, remaining hopeful, and in a deeply human way, we fight for God's blessing. It feels like a child fighting for a parent's love, which they have had all along. I am so, Deeply encouraged at the thought of finding grace and blessing and identity through my own personal struggle with God. Uh, There is a great quote which I love. Um, It comes from a speech given by Theodore Roosevelt. You might know it. Often this bit is kind of snipped out of it. Um, It's not the critic who counts Who knows great enthusiasm, the great devotions, who spends himself in worthy cause, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. God calls us into the arena. Into the mess, into the struggle, to engage in the tension of somehow trying to work out our lives and our faith together. But in doing so, like Jacob, we find our identity in Christ and we receive his blessing, a blessing that was promised to us all along. Maybe you feel like you're wrestling with God, maybe you just feel like you're wrestling. Either way, God is with you. And there are still so many unanswered uh, questions in this passage. So wrestle with it, wrestle with God. And in doing so, find your identity and the blessing he promised you from before you were born. Let's pray. God, thank you that in you we find our identity and we receive your blessing. Thank you that it is okay to struggle. In fact, it's so okay that you named your chosen people as those who would struggle with you. Lord, transform our wrestling into blessing. Amen.